Hi and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 45, where we're joined by another guest in a matter of moments. We'll hear more from Andrew Schooler, financial advisor with Phil Anderson Financial Services, but with an extensive background on the subject of the show for today, which is financial planning for teachers. As I say, more about all of that in just a second, but you're in exactly the right place to research for other financial advice too, because in our programs to date, we've covered mortgages, insurances, pensions, investments, help to buy schemes, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we focused on your health is your wealth. Now, we can drill down and look at pretty much anything forensically. But if you have a general financial query, first place to look is probably our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find us there. An enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. And while you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what you need. Um, and We could uh, make that show for you next time. Follow us as well. Then that way you'll get that episode when we record it. I'm John Mellis. With me as always, the star of the show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, here's one we've never done before, Phil. Uh, finance for teachers. What made you think of this one? Yeah, well, we, we've got um, uh, the business I own, Phil Anderson Financial Services. We, we've got Andrew Schooler, who's our, our newest recruit. Andrew's a financial advisor with, with a firm, but he used to work for uh, the financial planning arm of one of the, the big teachers' unions, so Andrew's got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to advising school teachers and also good at financial planning for, for teachers. So he's really well placed to answer the sort of questions that teachers would want to know. Over the years, I was going to just ask, well, first of all, let Andrew say a wee bit about himself. But mm -hmm. the other thing is, I was going to ask as well, Andrew, was just over the years, what, what sort of questions been the most asked by teachers when it comes to financial planning? Thanks, Phil. Um, so, um, as you said, I've uh, worked for the last um, seven, eight years for basically um, providing financial advice to teachers and their families. One of the things I got asked most was really, when can I retire? Mm -hmm. There's been so many changes with regards to the teachers' pensions over the years. It is really a minefield. And so many people um, with the changes, they're now unsure of when they're able to retire, how much they're going to get when they retire, and what my options are at retirement. So really, that was normally the starting point for a lot of people, was getting to know their pension. Um, are they able to retire at 55, 60, 65, or did they have to wait till state pension age? And a lot of it depended on the pension scheme they were in. That, that was really the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. With the state pension rising, how, how does that impact on teachers, Andrew? It, it's had a massive impact on when teachers can retire. In the dim and distant past, well, it doesn't really seem that long ago, um, state pension age was 60. The teacher's pension was tied into retiring at 60. And that was a goal that the vast majority of people that potentially started teaching, let's say, 30 years or so ago, they had an age of uh, 60 in their minds that that was when I was going to retire. I'll get my teacher's pension and I'll get my state pension and income will be fine. But the goalposts have now moved, unfortunately. The state pension for the vast majority of these people has moved up to 66. So they're then faced with the issue. So, well, okay, I was planning on retiring at 60. 
now state pension is 66. I've got a six year gap to fill in my finances. How do I do that? Can I afford to retire? Or am I going to have to continue working until I'm 66? When you were giving advice to teachers, I'm guessing a lot of that would have been around when they do get to retirement age. And at that point, they would, I'm not saying usually they would, they would have the option of a lump sum. Is that something that most would tend to take? And, and what sort of options would you, you kind of recommend with that? Uh, absolutely. So one of the great things about the teacher's pension schemes is one of the very few pensions out there that will give you a guaranteed lump sum or a guaranteed tax-free lump sum. Now, the rules have changed a little bit for the newer pension schemes, but for people who are retiring now, they will have an element of tax-free cash available from their pension. Now, the simple rule of thumb was you got three times your pension as a tax-free lump sum. So if they had a £10,000 a year pension, you would get a £30,000 tax-free lump sum. Over and above that, though, there's a term called commutation, and that's the ability to give up some of your pension to increase your tax-free lump sum. Now, you know, there, there are really um, no right or wrong answers to say what lump sum you should take. And it's really important that you take financial advice before you make that decision. But it can be a really, really useful financial planning tool going forward. If, if somebody was taking a lump sum when they get to retirement, what sort of things would you put that into, Andrew? I'm assuming things like ISAs would be the sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, the it really comes down to what the objectives are for the clients. A lot of people would say, we've got this gap to bridge. So we've got potentially this six-year gap if they're retiring at 60. So a lot of clients would approach me saying, Look, I want to use my tax-free cash to generate an income. So... Absolutely, we can use things like investment ISAs, general investment accounts, bonds to a certain extent. All of these options can be used to generate income for clients going forward with the flexibility that if they need to alter income when state pension kicks in, it allows, um, it allows them to do that. So really, they're, they're getting rid of this gap between 60 and 66 I'm trying to think of any of this would would uh, convince me to try and become a teacher. I'm still I'm still learning on the side of caution there. What other areas did you find you you advise teachers on a lot, Andrew? Well, the teachers' pension was one thing, but what you tended to find is a lot of teachers would have been paying into AVCs uh, with the Prudential, also private pensions and that sort of thing. But yeah, AVCs was probably the the the, the biggest other area that I would provide advice in. Okay, and, and what exactly is an AVC? Forgive my ignorance. Yeah, no, the, the, the financial services industry loves acronyms. Um, <laughs> AVCs stand for Additional Voluntary Contributions. I and got you. It, basically, this was a, effectively a side pension that teachers could pay into. It came off their wages, so they would see a deduction off their wage slip. It comes off before tax and then goes into a side pension. It's held with the Prudential, and Prudential are the only ABC provider for teachers. And then at retirement, it's treated like a private pension or an individual pension. So then they have access to 25% of the pot value as a tax-free lump sum. And then the remainder can buy an income, whether it be through annuity or drawdown pension for the rest of their days. So okay. that, that was a, a really, really good financial planning tool to help bridge the gap. Now, 
obviously, if you're seeing a client at retirement, they have had to have had that set up for a number of years beforehand and made contributions. But it really made my job so much easier if a client had something like that in place. What about the uh, the employee benefits? Are they any good for teachers, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, ex- excluding the holidays. Because um, they get seven <laughs> weeks in the summer, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, the because it's a, a public sector um, job, they do have fantastic sick pay. Um, I think after seven years, they accrue six months full, six months half sick pay. But again, if it's long-term sickness that happens, then what happens after 12 months? Where does the income come from at that point in time? There's also death and service benefits that are linked into the pension. And that's three times the full-time equivalent wage is payable as a lump sum in the event of the death, plus survivors' pensions, et cetera, that side of things. But you know, with, with all these side of things, it is really you know, the, the bare minimum that somebody should ever be looking at. And again, you know, it's always a good idea to look at the bigger picture as well. What happens when you leave teaching? What happens if you need more than three years salary after you're gone? You know, how do you address that? I, I just, by the way, I'd just like to backtrack a little. I, I realised whilst you were talking there, I know an awful lot of teachers and they, they don't holiday for those full six or seven weeks. So I'm going to backtrack slightly. And so maybe there's a couple of, a fortnight on either side of that, that they're, they're working. Is there any benefit to, to teacher training in, in one part of the UK over another? I asked because my niece has just moved to England to train there because I think that the starting pay there might be higher. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a few benefits at the moment for people that are thinking about taking up a career in teaching. There were or there are bursaries available in England because obviously in England it's more fee-paying university than it is in Scotland. But there is a, a grant bursary that's available for people that are looking to change their careers. So say, for example, they've already been doing something, you know, they've been doing a job, they have their degree already, but they're looking at making a change into teaching. There's a grant of up to £20,000 available for uh, teachers that are looking to go into hard to fill teaching areas. So I think this falls under STEM. So it's science, technology, but maths. Um, So it's the... It, it, it's a harder to fill job. So if you then get a job after your training, then you can apply for this this grant to help cover your costs. Just wondering as we go here, Phil, as well, if there are any sort of specific mortgage options for teachers, and do they differ from standard mortgages? I also seem to remember historically, like a, a minister would live in a church manse. Some old school head teacher positions would come with, with a home that would be next to the school. Yeah, it used to be years ago. That that was quite commonplace in olden, or say days gone by. Uh, not really so much so so now. But we we've done over the years. My firm's done quite a number of mortgages for teachers. You you do actually have what's called the the teachers building society. Probably a, a lot of people wouldn't have have heard of that. But yeah. um, the the teachers building society are really good. Another lenders some some of them do what's called professional mortgages so that's ones that they're doing for the likes of doctors dentists vets teachers professions where they think that people have got really good sort of career progression and their, their pay scale is likely to, to rise in the future as well the, the teachers building society are really good i mean they'll do 
95 or considered up to 95% mortgages for, for teachers. They're also really good. They, they can help newly qualified teachers and also supply and contract teachers. So a lot of other lenders might not be quite so keen if it's somebody's on a supply role, but they, they can understand the workings of it all. So they're, they're really good with, with that as well. Another thing with the, the likes of the Teachers Building Society, they will also consider lending up to six times someone's income in, in certain cases, which is a lot more than most standard lenders would do. So teachers do have other options out there when it comes to, to mortgages as well. And, and the reason that the Teachers Building Society can do this is that they, they've got good knowledge of how that industry works. They, they know the pay scales, they know how people can progress through them. So that, that allows them to kind of look at things more specifically and, and just target specific that, that profession. Now, each week, um, so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So, Phil, today, finance for teachers, to serve with love. Uh, what, have, what have you got on that? You know, over the years, we, we've we've helped quite a, a number of teachers. I, I, I guess Andrew would probably have more experiences. He might have any kind of stories he, he could share with us as well. But I know myself, I, I had one teacher that I dealt with a few, few years ago now and couldn't get a lender to, to lend enough. He, he hadn't been doing the, the role that long teaching. I think it was a, a primary school teacher. But we, we were able, we, we did a mortgage with the Teachers Building Society. They would lend them more than, than anybody else would at, at that specific time. So it was great. It helped him onto the, the property ladder and he got the, the home that he wanted. But I'm sure you, you'll have had quite a number of examples over the years, Andrew. Yeah, I've, you know, over the years, I've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of teachers. You know, I, I would say, you know, there, there's no one particular case that really stands out, but what what I loved being able to do was I, I a teacher would ask for financial advice. They may have been in a position where they wanted to retire, but they felt that they couldn't afford to. And um, there's a I would say there's a big misunderstanding around how good the teacher's pension actually is. Mm. So what I really enjoyed was I would go in, see the client, work out what income they're gonna get if they had AVCs, if they had private pensions, what they could do with their tax-free lump sums, but give them the level of income that they're then going to need to maintain their standard of living. And in a lot of cases, we could give, we, you know, as long as they've got a reasonable service and they've got plans uh, in the background, they could retire on a very, very similar level of income than what they were doing when they were working full-time. So being able to tell a client, saying, well, you can have the same level of income you have now working full time was, you know, just such a, a, a mind blowing situation for them. They thought it was absolutely fantastic. And you could physically see the weight lifting off their shoulders to say, look, I can do this. I can retire now. I can go and enjoy myself mm -hmm. and I don't have to deal with the constant stress and the pressure of the job. And um, so, yeah, a situation like that just made my job you know, fantastic. It's like being able to wave a magic wand, really, isn't it? And of course, there's the, 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 the silent sort of financial problem that a lot of teachers have, whereby 
every Friday night, some pupils who might have found out where they live would order, you know, a takeaway delivery and they'd have to pay when it turned up. And that, that you know, that can really, really affect the bank balance. I know it certainly did for a few teachers in Inverness when I was growing up, although I don't know who was responsible for that, obviously. Um, Phil, we, we always do this bit as well. Um, you find inspiration through various people you admire and, and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on financial advice for teachers? The quote of the week this week comes from someone called Peter Lynch. Know what you own and know why you own it. Mm. Uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's and contact details coming up in just a moment. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. I've recently inherited a house following the death of a relative. I've no intention of staying there, but I'm not sure whether now is a good time to sell and simply be rid of it with cash in the bank or whether I should perhaps try to lease it out. What would you recommend? I think at the minute, pretty much across the, the majority of the UK, the property market's reasonably buoyant. Just now, I, I know I, I get a lot of industry articles coming through and it seems to be that if you are selling, it seems to be a reasonable time to, to be looking to do that. But then each property is different. I mean, if, if a property needs a bit of work done, it may be on the market a, a bit longer. I, I would say, I mean, property can be a really good investment long term. So it's definitely worth considering it and to keep it and rent out. We did do a show previously called Investing in Property, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Yes, so that one's maybe worth a, a listen because but what I often find is that people have got these ideas, yet yeah, we'll do this or we'll do that. But for example, one, one of the things with property is there can be quite big tax implications. If you rent out, you've got tax to pay on the rental income. You may have capital gains tax to pay if, if, you, if the property goes up in value. So, so there's a few different things like that to, to consider as well. But I mean, it is, it's, it's good to weigh up all your options and, and then decide what's going to be best from there. Uh, next is Shona in Brighton, who says, I think after a period of furlough, I'm about to be made redundant by my employer. Given that I earned less whilst I was on furlough, will this affect how much I'm offered in terms of redundancy settlement? Where do you start yeah, with sorry that? To, uh, sorry to hear the, the, that news, but when it comes to any redundancy pay, it's based on your normal wage. So that would be, it, it's got to be based on your pre-furlough salary. So that's one bit of good news there for her as well but hopefully everything will, will sort out for her yep fingers crossed for Shona in Brighton I would just say as well before you get in touch with a question you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered loads of topics uh, and we may have touched on what you're interested in I'm Joe Mellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thank you to Andrew for being our guest. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question, and he could be answering it in an upcoming podcast, like I say. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us, and please subscribe or follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. 
Bill's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, John.